Geek Adventures. Where will your next trip take you? Hi, this is Cathy from Mummy Travels. And Ting from My Travel Monkey. And for this episode of the Kid Ventures Family Travel Podcast, we've got another UK special lined up, this time all about beautiful Scotland. Including our very special guest and expert insider, Janice Hopper, who writes the family travel blog, Scots to Travel. Hi, Janice, and thanks for chatting to us today. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Everything's on the up and up here, so it all feels very positive. Oh, good. With the sun shining for all of us as well. I'm hoping the sun's shining for you. Yep, it's actually glorious. Exciting to think that travel is happening again. There's so much opening up um, for us and even the islands are open and they're from Monday the 26th and they're advising just to take a test before you go. It's not compulsory, but it's definitely advisable. And apart from that, the UK is our oyster. Fabulous. Tell us a little bit about your own travel background, your explorations around Scotland, why you love Scotland so much and what you're going to share with us for the podcast. Well, I grew up here and I've always loved travel. I went backpacking the works and then I got a job. I was a TV director for BBC Scotland. So I did see a lot of corners of Scotland that um, someone of my age, a young woman, probably wouldn't have invested all that time and money going to the quirkier or more remote places. But I was always following a story. So it was always a hook, something that engaged me when I got there that I was trying to share with other people. So that built on my natural interest of Scotland and history and its people and its heritage. And I I just took it from there. And then when I had um, my first child, I was terrified of traveling. I'd been given this precious bundle with no instructions. And the thought of going from Aberdeen to Dundee filled me with terror, let alone flying off somewhere. And I looked for family travel recommendations because I was scared me and my baby would ruin everyone else's romantic meal or luxury hotel. And I did see lots of great blogs and um, ideas, but a lot of them were based in the south of England. And whilst Cornwall and West Sussex do delight me, and I've been to both and love them both, that wasn't where I wanted to head with a newborn baby. It's just definitely a bridge too far. So I thought rather than kind of complain about something and say well where's all the Scottish ideas I just set up my own blog and tried to share what I felt were more achievable destinations if you happen to live up here or if you want to visit Scotland and see what a great country it is and explore the castles the the myth the the history all that the country has to offer. What would you say to um, anyone who is considering a trip to Scotland with kids do you think there are any misconceptions might put people off how would you tempt people who don't have Scotland on their wish list Janice? I think the image of Scotland is a double-edged sword as in people love the idea of it being remote and isolated and rugged but you don't have to be remote isolated and rugged you can go to a city break and sit in a spa Um, you know you can take your children on afternoon tea you can have a bustling holiday here you can be remote but Scotland's still very easy to reach. Jump on the sleeper train, fly up. You can drive. I and mean, we drive down to London. We leave at 8 a.m. We're in London by half past five that night. It's, and that's from Aberdeen. We're not in the borders or anything. It's not as remote as people portray it to be. And um, you don't have to be camping or Monroe bagging, you know, in, in wet weather gear, unless you want to be. You know, we also cater to the Royal Family holiday here every year. And um, a lot of 
the aristocracy, the hunting and shooting and fishing scene. So there's a lot of high end quality on offer. So if you want to kind of curl up in front of a fire with your whiskey and yeah. you know, have a five star experience, you can do that. Just like as you can imagine in, in England, you can do all of that, plus have the Scottish scenery, the adventure, the remote, rugged, isolated thing if you want it. But it doesn't have to be that way. And people always think it's cold and wet up in Scotland, don't they? Well, I, I mean, I think it's colder. It is a few degrees colder usually, and that's just a fact. Um, so if you want blinding hot sun, you are, that's not a guarantee. But this image of rain is a misconception. Yeah. That's a bit of a fallacy because basically rain tends towards the West Coast. So I believe Cardiff is a lot wetter than most places in Scotland. So if you go to the East Coast of Scotland, if rain isn't your thing, rain's not my thing. I grew up in Aberdeen. I only bought an umbrella when I went to university in Glasgow. <laughs> You don't necessarily get rain on the East Coast. So I like things like a bracing beach walk. It might be cold and I have a scarf. I'm not dripping wet from rain because I'm on the East Coast. And and obviously the sun shines a lot on the West Coast as well, just like it does all down the West of, you know, Wales and England. But um, the rain image isn't quite accurate. (laughs) That is a really good tip. I'd rather have blue skies, even if I've got to wrap up warm, than rain any day. Definitely. Yeah, I'm the same, but just a personal preference. My husband grew up on the west coast of Ireland and he loves the rain. <laughs> I don't know anyone who loves the rain. Oh, if you grew up on the west coast of Ireland, I think you have to love the rain. Maybe <laughs> if you grew up in Bergen, it's kind of a requisite. For families, what makes Scotland such a great choice? I mean, you touched a little bit on some of the, the variety and the experiences and, you know, even just the ease of getting there. But what are your top things to say, you know, families, this really is why you should be coming to Scotland? Well, there's some wonderful family friendly hotels and they're independent. So they're not necessarily known as a massive brand and they are completely geared up to make you have a fantastic time with kids clubs, gaming rooms, outdoor activities, cinemas, playgrounds, you know, geared up to the point where you don't want to leave. Um, Evening entertainments or Kayleigh's. um, And these are independent places that you'd only know about them if you know about them. So, I mean, I've written a post to that effect, family-friendly hotels where you can have a ball. The transport is fun uh, in terms of, you know, my kids got the sleeper train, you know, a train in your pyjamas. Could it get more exciting? (laughs) And sleeping in a bunk bed or getting on a ferry and you sleep all night to get to Shetland and you're in your pyjamas on a boat. I mean, pyjamas, if they have to wear their pyjamas somewhere, it's going to be a great day. Um, so getting places, you know, if you go island hopping and you're on a, a short ferry trip, even that is a great way to travel. You don't feel like you're just lumbering about in the car. You know, you're feeling the, the sea air in your face as you go from the mainland to the island. The agritourism is fantastic. Farm tours, ice cream tasting. You know, we went on a lambing experience where you slept in a shepherd's hut and then met the lambs the next morning. Beach life fantastic beaches obviously and the history is fun like the castles you can get posh ones or atmospheric ruins where your kids are suddenly knights or princes or princesses or queens and it's not behind a cordon it's not kind of sectioned off like it can be in museums so archaeology for example is fun here like Scarabray and Jarlshof are prehistoric villages they actually predate the Stonehenge and the pyramids and make them look a bit like new bills because they're <laughs> so much older. But you can walk amongst them. You can you can peer down into them and you can see how 
prehistoric man used to live, reach out and touch it. And it's actually quite surreal even as an adult to think, well, I can kind of see the shape of a cupboard there or a hearth and someone actually lived here and lit fire there you know, thousands of years ago. And it is a bit of a, a head trip. Kids do engage with that when they can kind of walk about and be part of it rather than stand behind a cordon at a museum. And also Scotland has things to do inside and out because our weather can be a little bit colder. Um, a bit like much of the UK, you can find lots of indoor and outdoor activities. Um, and we do spend a lot of time outside. So you're spoiled for choice. If the sun is shining and it's 20 degrees, then even better. But there's loads to do on a wet day or a grey day or a windy day as well. So one of the things that I love about Scotland as well, and it sort of ties in with all the castles that you, you've talked about, all the myths and the legends. I mean, everyone knows about the Loch Ness Monster, but Kelpies and Haggis. And, you know, I always live in hope of at least one dragon along the way somewhere. Well, I think we've slayed all the dragons in Scotland. I don't know of many dragons left here, but you're right about the Kelpies and the Haggis. Um, so the Kelpies are the horse spirits and there's beautiful sculptures in Falkirk that I'd recommend anyone to go and see. The Loch Ness Monster, I mean my son watched a series called Go Jetters and when the, he loved it, he absolutely loved that series and when he asked to follow the Go Jetters I said well we can go to to Loch Ness and look for an AC and we did a cruise and along the on the water and looked for the monster and it really engaged them I mean we got them to climb the tower of Urquhart Castle you know frantically searching for this monster and it just made a day out which otherwise would have been a gorgeous boat trip in a castle it just added a lot of energy and a story to it as and they fell for Nessie they completely fell for her and went home clutching little Nessie stuffed toys they were super cute with it and um, there's also as well as Kelpies there are Selkies which are seal people and that's more associated with Orkney the Orkney Isles the islands in the north of the UK um, and as I say that, that's just magical stories about you know half people half seals and they transform one into the other another interesting one is the new Lanark ghost now this is a mill town um, which was really quite revolutionary at how it treated its workers. I mean, the standards, if you compare them to modern standards, really dreadful. But at the time, they were treating workers incredibly well. They had a school for the workers' children. They had a creche, things that in the past, I mean, these workers' children were not treated with any respect or education whatsoever and when you visit New Lanark there's actually a little train ride um, it reminds me a bit of the Jorvik Museum in York and you get onto the little carriage and you go along and the story is narrated by a little ghost called Annie a wee girl so again that really helps children engage with the story of why this mill was a little bit different and how it encouraged workers and provided facilities for them that were absolutely unheard of. And people used to travel within the UK and internationally to have a look at what was being done here and how things were being done differently. And that little ghost story is um, a lovely way of expressing that information and sharing that information. It's really interesting for kids as well to, I don't know, open their eyes up to what life must have been like for other kids. You know. Yeah, an example was, I think, at dinner time, they were given as much porridge as they wanted to eat. <laughs> and obviously, to us, that doesn't sound great. But in other places, they were literally starving. So to be able to just feast on porridge um, after a day's work was actually pretty know, good. Deal. You, you were yeah. you go to bed hungry, which was mm. quite remarkable. 
So this is probably a really hard question, Janice, but if you could pick one place for first-time visitors to go in Scotland, where would it be or two? Well, I think for families, I'd probably head to Aviemore. It's almost like the Scottish Catskills. It's an outdoor playground and it's got a lot to offer. So it's got the UK's only free-range reindeer herd. You can It's great to visit all times of year, but obviously at Christmas it can feel quite festive. Mm. Um, a steam engine that takes you through the countryside. There's skiing in the winter, obviously. The Highland Wildlife Park, that boasts polar bears. And if you're not very comfortable with the zoos, this is the Royal Zoological Site of Scotland. So they have Edinburgh Zoo in the capital with the pandas and the Highland Wildlife Park has the polar bears and a feast of other animals see as well. So they're a very respected organisation. There's also the Highland Folk Museum, um, Britain's largest outdoor museum that looks at Highland life like crofting and it's lots of buildings that you go from one to the other. And the last time I visited, there were actually actors who kind of taught you through, you know, they'd be dressed in typical clothing of the era they were representing, yeah. talk you through life and maybe light a fire or, or make a little bit of bread the way it was done back in the day. So it's really engaging and immersive. Landmark Forest Adventure Park, that's just a laugh a minute. You know, it's just fun for kids. We're talking like animatronic dinosaurs, a butterfly house, rope works, which is kind of similar to Go Ape. And there's lots of rides such as the Runaway Timber Train and a centre called Bamboozoleum, which is like optical illusions, uh, Lost Labyrinth, which is amazing. So just fun. And the accommodation there, you get a bit of everything from boutique smart hotels to big resort family hotels, chalets, camping, guest houses, you name it. I mean, it's really geared up for tourism. Oh, it sounds really good fun. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's great for kids and families. And there's there's loads more to do. You're quite close to Inverness, Loch Ness, um, Newton Moor. From that as a base, there's other places you can go and explore as well. Yeah, I think it's great for this year as well. People obviously a lot staying in the UK, but trying to get away from busier areas, perhaps looking for more outdoorsy things to do getting into the countryside I mean I know we said you can you can kind of have any any sort of holiday in Scotland you don't have to head off somewhere extraordinarily remote but Mm -hmm. I I guess with with Scotland you can get the nice balance too that you can get off the beaten track without it being an enormous mission to do that with kids I think Aviemore does feel that way it really does feel like you've escaped somewhere but to think you can hop on the sleeper train in London and arrive wake up in Aviemore um and maybe go skiing that day, you know, if it's winter or or go off and meet a free range reindeer herd in the mountains. I mean, that is quite extraordinary considering you just were in London the night before. Yeah. Have you got any other favourite bits of countryside to get away from the crowds? Well, I think Persia is very popular because it's big tree country. So, you know, it's very green and lush. You can hand feed red deer. Um, there's an autumn illuminations in Faskley Woods called Enchanted Forest. So if you're planning kind of more autumnal winter break, that is definitely worth looking into. And there's some lovely forest walks. Shetland jumps out at me if you're wanting to go a bit further afield because it's got a bold landscape that you don't really see anywhere else. It reminds me more of the Faroes than anywhere else in the UK. And as I mentioned, it's got the Jarlsoft prehistoric village. It's also got Sumbara, which is an RSPB reserve. And you can go into a lighthouse. You can actually stay in one of the lighthouse cottages as well. And you can spot, you know, all the sea life, possibly some whales. 
And there's also Shetland pony experiences where you can get up close and personal with the little Shetland ponies. <laughs> and obviously a host of museums that tell the stories of crofting life or um, the World War II kind of undercover Shetland bus story, which is quite adventurous as well, rescuing people from Norway. So there's just a lot going on in those small islands, as well as the beautiful scenery. And just around Lerwick, you just have little seals like bobbing along near the fish market, just saying hi. And it's just like nothing I've seen anywhere else. It does sound like experiences that people really wouldn't expect in the UK and you can get a train and you can be there. And the whole experience of going on a sleeping train, which we haven't done with the kids, would add to the fun of doing all that. Getting there can be fun. Or yeah. To, when we go to an island, the ferry is part of the adventure. It's not just transport. It, it's a story in its own right. and Part of the journey. Yeah, 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 part of the journey. It's a lovely experience in its own way, as long as it's not too choppy, obviously. But <laughs> when you're going to the little islands off the West Coast, it's normally okay. I mean, obviously on the bigger sailings, there in winter it can be tougher but you know that's 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 life that's the elements and that nature at work now i've seen stunning photographs of beautiful beaches in scotland Mm -hmm. so um what are your favorite beaches and and what should be on everyone's list if they want to go up there and i'll be listening intently because this is my favorite bit Well, when my children were very young, I think they were three months old and 19 months old, we decided to go to Lewis and Harris. And that's got one of the most beautiful beaches, Luskintyre Beach, which is almost reminds me of the Whit Sundays when I was in Australia. Oh, that wow. blue water. Obviously not the temperatures of my clothing, <laughs> very different, but the beauty of the scenery and the colour of the water. Um, and I saw similar colours when I was in Iona, which is just off Mull, this beautiful blue. Um, but you don't have to go to these islands to to get that coastal beauty I mean there's you're always near the sea in Scotland really it's never that far away we're a small landmass surrounded by water so you can be on a city break and again a bit like Barcelona where you've got to you've got the beach at your fingertips so St Andrews has West Sands Beach from that scene in Chariots of Fire um, Aberdeen has a beautiful city beach and there's a annual kind of dolphin spotting experience where you just go along to a place called the Tory Battery and, and look out to see dolphins they play and swim there a lot and also Portobello Beach um, in Edinburgh really, so we've got quite a lot of city beaches as well and then one of my favourites is Cruden Bay and there's a campsite just metres from the beach and we pre-Covid we kind of met up with uh, I think there was five friends in a mix of tents and camper vans and you know we, they'd brought all the toys like stand-up paddle boards and kayaks and little bikes for the kids and just you know had had a great time being right close to the the water as well and then a few others I can mention Fintorn Bay in Morrisshire there's seals there there's colourful beach huts so very Instagrammable another great spot for seals is Forvey Sands in Aberdeenshire and a very famous beach is Applecross on the west coast but you know these are kind of headline beaches a lot of them and you know you don't have to stray far to find a beautiful beach. Are they um, busy or are they quite isolated some of them? Um, a lot of them are. I mean, Apple Cross will always be popular. So will Fintorn, but not busy in the way speaking yeah. to two women from London would consider <laughs> busy. I, imagine. But I think like, for example, over the past few months, Portobello has been quite a, a hot spot in terms of sure. 
but that's Edinburgh, that's our capital. But um, the, the city beaches will naturally be a bit busy, but you don't have to go far to find a quiet beach at all. I mean, it's not uncommon to be the only person on a beach. That's not unusual, or maybe someone else with a dog further along, but you can be quite isolated on a Scottish beach. And that's why it was almost funny saying, you know, social distance. It's I don't know how I could do anything but knowing some of these areas. I love that idea as well of a city with a beach. I mean, I do love London, it is my home, but really the one thing it's missing is a beach. Oh, it made a big difference to us. So, you know, initially when it was like stay in your house, you could only exercise so if you could cycle to the beach then that was justified but you can drive to the you know that kind of thing you had to stay as close as possible but I think once things opened up a a bit the first thing we did was go down and see the sea again there's something about it that's just quite transporting and calming and it keeps the kids quiet for hours they just putter about and dig holes and build things and find pebbles or they're just busy busy doing nothing kind of thing (laughs) one thing that we will have coming up quite soon now almost in touching distance is a lot of these big indoor attractions the 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 big city attractions a lot of the time are starting to to reopen it feels like city breaks have been off the cards and suddenly now that seems more of a focus perhaps for later in the year if you were picking um scottish cities for city breaks which one would it be or which where, where would you start? Although having said that, you can combine a couple of them in, in one holiday a lot of the time, can't you? Yeah, they're so close um, and they're all connected. So even if you didn't drive, you could easily cover all of Scotland's cities probably in, you know, a 10 day break, you know, two days in each or a day in each kind of thing. But if I had to choose one, I think if you haven't been to Scotland it seems remiss not to choose the capital because it has so much to offer. And now is a good time to visit because we went in July when um, things opened up again and there were no foreign tourists. So all the the countries that love Edinburgh, like, you know, you usually see a lot of Americans um, and a host of other nationalities flock to Edinburgh. There was no fringe festival. All the f- festivals that are held from book festivals to television festivals, they were all cancelled. So from a personal point of view, it was great for my family. We, you know, we had Edinburgh almost, not to ourselves, but relatively speaking, and a bit like London right now, you know, we've been down to London, it's beautifully quiet. So in a way, it's like make hay while the sun shines or, you know, if life throws you lemons, make COVID lemonade and enjoy, (laughs) make the most of what is there. So Edinburgh is quiet right now, but for people in the UK it is possibly the time to visit. So it's got the castle, it's got the parliament, um, Edinburgh Zoo that I mentioned earlier with the panda bears, the only pandas in the UK. There's a little city farm that's free. Mary King's Close is a subterranean town, so it's a bit eerie and spooky, um, learning how people lived underground when space was at a capital. Camera Obscura, that's kind of, again, optical illusions. Dynamic Earth is a fantastic visitor centre that kind of tells, it's almost like a science museum that tells the story of life as we know it and I thought I didn't know if I'd enjoy that you know learning about the planet and but it's it's wonderfully done and really engaging like you get in a lift and David Tennant narrates as you go back in time so it all feels a bit Doctor Who yeah Um, you can also take a short walk to Carlton Hill up Carlton Hill which is peppered with monuments to explore with fantastic views over the city or a longer walk up Arthur's seat um, depending on how little the little legs of your family are and what they can manage so 
And there's all the cafes and the um, restaurants and great hotels or self-catering as well. So I think Edinburgh is, if I had to pick one, that would be the one I'd highlight. So where are you planning on going next? And where would you like to go that you haven't been yet in Scotland? So fingers and toes crossed, our first trip will be to try out some indoor camping at Dalmahoy Hotel and Country Club, which also does a moon line and children's afternoon teas. And there's a pool and tennis courts, golf, spa. So I figure we'll all be, you know, we'll all find something yeah. to do and just have a, a real kind of family time and treat the kids a bit. We've also got a cabin on the bank of Loch Erne in Perthshire lined up. So that'll be nice and quiet, you know, in the quieter lochs in Scotland and maybe a bit of some water sports, maybe some kayaking or stand up paddle boarding or just chilling out, really. We're going to a quirky roundhouse in Newton Moor. So I'm interested in finding unusual accommodation. I think maybe you've seen a pattern in those three things that they're all offering something different in terms of how how you stay and what you see when you stay. So I think accommodation is drawing me. Does it have something new to say rather than you know, four walls of a hotel room, what's what's going on that's a bit different and colourful. And I want to visit a Scottish island I haven't stepped foot on before. So obviously I have done a lot living up here, but there's still so many to go. So maybe escape to the West Coast for a while because I've been on the East Coast in lockdown for a long time. So I might head west. Yeah. Head west. Yeah. <laughs> I'd love to see more of the, the Scottish islands. I've been to Skye. Obviously, it seems to be the one that everyone starts yeah, with. Me too. Yeah, that's like your starter <laughs> island almost. I think everyone loves Skye. It's, it's yeah. totally understandable why. Um, but it's very popular, yes. Yeah, but I'd love to see some of the others. I'm really tempted by the idea of a road trip as well. That ticks all the boxes, really. You, you can make the most of the size and you can do a bit of coast and a bit of country and some castles and maybe a city and maybe an island. I mean, if I start drawing up my road trip, then, you know, I may actually need a month or two. Some of the more popular ones, like the NC500, that's really well known um, across the country. But there's also smaller ones like the Northeast 250, which is worth considering because it's that little bit shorter it's 250 miles rather than 500 and it's rich in castles and coastline um, and that kind of takes in Moray Coast, Banff and Bucking Coast, Royal Deeside and back into Aberdeen so it's a little bit different a lot of people haven't you know they haven't done it before the roads have always been there it's just someone's pulled all the ideas together in quite a digestible easy to understand format Um, so in a way you can just look at what you fancy and draw your own circle on the roads and make your own mommy travels road trip. I'm certainly not going to be short of options. I think it's just how many can I realistically cram in? Yeah, I feel the same when I go to England because I just feel there's so much to see and do. I've come this far and I want to see everything and do it. That's so great about travel though, that nowhere's going anywhere and you keep going back and you take different roads, different cities and towns and yeah, I don't think you can ever explore one place um, enough in definitely not in one trip anyway it does feel very secure right now I think with um there is uncertainty over foreign travel so it's really nice knowing that you can get home there's something about that you can you know if you if you've never been to Scotland before and you give it a whirl and it's it will feel very different very escapist very new but at the end of the day you know you can get in a car and get back in your car and get home there's no passport control there's no issues there's no ocean to navigate somehow or plane to catch 
And that's really quite reassuring, I think, right now. Well, that's definitely given us plenty of inspiration to head back to Scotland with our kids. Now those restrictions are lifting and I can't wait to go off and uh, plan my dream trip. Beach hopping, island hopping, castle hopping. Is basically uh, a lot of hopping. <laughs> a lot of hopping. I shall be hopping to Scotland. I'm Googling everything now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for chatting to us, Janice, and all of the ideas. It's been brilliant. See you again soon for the next kid venture. Do 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 do.